Um, we are just about to start this morning a, a, a four-part series on the upper room. And for those of you who know the upper room, it comes from Acts 1 and 2 when the Holy Spirit fell. Uh, they call it Pentecost. And we're going we're gonna to spend uh, three to four weeks just talking about that, just believing that is the cry of our hearts as a church. I really believe that there is just so much hunger in the room. And I said that last week, and it was confirmed this morning in worship. Do you guys believe that there is hunger in this room this morning? I love it. I love it. And I, um, I specifically wanted to talk about three areas of I believe what God is wanting to speak into, and Tim nailed it because he talked about hope. He talked about us believing that the person of hope is not only in this room, but he's with us. And it was around healing provision and direction. And I just recognize that when we talk about the upper room, we can automatically assume and just go straight into our minds, that was when the Holy Spirit fell, right? But between ascension, which is when Jesus turned to his disciples and said, I'm now having to go, but I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, there was a 10-day gap between when he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit and then when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost in the upper room, there was a 10-day gap. And this morning, I just want to talk about those 10 days. I want to talk about seasons that we go through as believers, as people that follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that when Jesus gives us a promise, there is always a process in the middle and for the purpose to be revealed. Amen? Hands up if, you, if you've been through a season of waiting before. Hands up. Okay. Keep your hands up if you're waiting for something right now. Brilliant. Okay, cool. This is for you this morning. When God speaks, he speaks a promise. You know, this, this book, the Word of God, is full of God's Word being spoken, being spoken from his mouth, and when the Word is spoken, there is a process. You could talk about maybe a seed that is planted in the ground. There is a process for that seed to start sprouting and to become what it's called to be. There's a process. There's a process of maturing. And sometimes, which I'm going to explain to you a little bit how God spoke to me about a situation that happened to me in 2016, that explained to me why the process is so important. You know, we, I, I think, as us believers in this house, we are so excited by God's promises. We're so excited about prophecy and about believing for, like Tim said, God doing the impossible but there are times in our lives where God's promise does not happen on our timeline. It does not happen at the time when we want it to. And that 10-day gap that the disciples were given, mind you, they weren't told it was 10 days. Jesus just told the disciples to go and return back to Jerusalem. And we know that before the Holy Spirit fell, they were together and they were praying and they were united. You know, we... I absolutely love the book of Acts because it's the, it's, it's the book of when the Holy Spirit fell on the church and it multiplied. And we're going to, from September, we're going to be going through uh, many parts of the book of Acts as we look at how, how, how the Holy Spirit multiplied the church. But we mustn't forget that before it was called the upper room, 
It was actually called the waiting room. There was actually a waiting part. There was a waiting room before it became the upper room. Waiting is God's process of dealing with our hearts. And it's not something that we enjoy. I, am, I have grown up, I, definitely it's probably my a generational thing that, I mean, I remembered the other day that when you used to take photographs, you then had to like send it away for a week for the photos to be made. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? And you'd be given not only the pictures, but you'd be given the, what do you call it? The negatives, there we go. And it was just normal. And now we have phones in our pocket, which means you can take, you know, pictures whenever you want. But that, that was just standard. That was just normal. And we have, to, we have to recognize that we might think that God is not present with us when we are waiting. But actually, God is in the process. God is in the process. God is more interested in perfecting you into how he sees you to be rather than me which naturally would be like, come on, God, let's just make it. Let's just get it done. Let's just make it. Let's just, you should send the Holy Spirit right now because we've got things to do. We, 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 we need to, things need to happen right now. But the process is key. And the question you should ask yourself right now is, how long is too long for you? We just heard Paul and Jenny talk about if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. Well, how long is too long for that purpose to become fulfilled? How long is too long? You know, Joseph waited 13 years. Abraham waited 25. Moses waited 40 years. Jesus waited 30 years. We serve a God that is actually not afraid of putting us through a long extended season of waiting because in that waiting, he is perfecting us. And this morning, I want to encourage those who believe that they are in a waiting season and they've been it for many years. Because if you're waiting, you are in good company, church. You know, the vision of this house is to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, fulfill their dreams, and change the world. And if we just spend all our time talking about our dreams, but not recognizing that there is a process behind that, I believe that we can, people can walk away from their faith in times like this because they become disheartened, discouraged, disappointed, and feel like they've done something wrong when actually I believe God has put you in a place where he is preparing you for his purpose. One of the, I would say, the, one of the greatest um, analogies of a natural picture of what waiting for a promise to come true is, is childbirth. You think about it, a seed is planted, and in nine months' time, it turns into a baby. And there is a process which I've had the privilege of having three children in the last four years and noticing all the stages of a nine-month cycle. I think, and if I'm right, I believe, I think in the last year and a half, I think there's been 16 or 17 children born in this, but born that's a part of this family. Can we just give it up for all the mums and dads? 
But you see, in the natural, that is what I believe a, 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 from, a, from the word of God where a seed is planted, there's a process, and then the promise is, a purpose is fulfilled. There are seeds that have been spoken over your life. There are words that have been spoken over you before you were born. There are prophecies. There are things that have been spoken over everyone in this house, whether you know it or you don't, that the Lord wants to fulfill. Turn to your neighbor, left or right, and says, the Lord wants to fulfill it. Guys, you talk about practical. What I just shared to you about Pete and Barbie, this is a couple that 40 years ago both had a vision from God about the Holy Spirit falling on the nation that they are currently living in. And for 40 years, they have held it in their heart. And where they are right now is because of the word that was spoken. The, con- the reason why they are there is because of the conviction in their own heart. So when the Lord speaks to us, we have to, we have to recognize that when the Lord speaks, it's not like, well, that was really nice, Lord, what are you going to tell me tomorrow? There are words that require us to engage with, and they've waited years to be where they are today. What an amazing example that we have in this house. But I know the waiting game can be tough, because in our family, we have a, we have a thing in our house called the Friday Treat Day, and what do they ask on Saturday? Is it Friday? Is it Friday? Is it Friday? Is it Friday? And as any, anyone would know that the Lord will speak to you through anything, and especially if parents in here, your kids end up just being the, the extra voice of God into your life. And, and as I'm getting frustrated with this just constant bombardment of, can we watch TV and can we have sweets? It's funny how I'm like, oh, Lord, why, does, why do they keep doing this? So I, I just turned to him, and he reminded me, without saying anything, he said, do you remember when this happened? And he took me back to a memory in 2016 where we were in the States, and we were hours and hours and hours, but we were about five or six hours away from Ruth giving birth to our first child, Evelyn, and and, and for, for those of you, for those of you who, uh, who are her dad's in the house or has um, been with a loved one who is giving birth, um, you know, from my perspective, just watching one born every minute did not help me at all. <laughs> did not help me at all. Because I think I was aware what was going to happen. I was just unaware of how I would react in that moment. Okay? Now, what I'm about to tell you is literally how not to do it. Because... At that time, probably a month or two before, I had done this um, program, this like, sort of personality trait. It's called Strength Finders. Excellent. And I had come out of my top. Um, you take this test, and it actually describes to you what your strengths are. And I had been given, number one, this word called command. Now, it sounds pretty aggressive, um, and it, it, it can be, but let me describe it to you. It's a person with the strength of command is inspired to take charge, they are not afraid to make an impact on people where others may fear doing so. Command inspires people to express themselves and their feelings, and they are especially great in times of crisis or chaos. Okay? So with that fresh in my mind, 
a month later, I am in the delivery room and something comes over me that I tell myself, Jonathan, this is when you release your command. <laughs> now, like I said, this is the next part you're about to hear is how not to do it. But I want to explain to you, this is all through the lens of when a promise is given, how do you behave in the waiting room or the delivery room? How do we behave when we are waiting for God's promise? Because I heard this the other day, sometimes the Lord will offend the mind to reveal the heart. And I believe that when we are in a waiting room process, when we are waiting for the Lord, for the dream to come true, for the baby to be born, where you have your trust, where you have your faith will be revealed. Because you're about to hear what happened. So the stage is set. Ruth is in labor. And I am in the hotel. I'm in the ho not hotel. It was like a hotel because it was a new hospital. But it wasn't. Well, very expensive hotel stay. God bless the NHS. But as I am with Ruth... The contractions are starting to happen, and I get introduced into the room a machine called a, cardio, a cardiotocography machine, which is a machine that measures the contractions and the time between them. And, and you know, for, for those who don't understand, contractions are the sign as you are about to have a baby. Now, the machine tells you when a woman is in labor, not just um, how long they are, but also, in a way, the pain and the intensity of a contraction. So it's like a graph. So as a contraction comes, the graph starts to go up. And to the left of the, of the graph is like a level system, 0 to 10. 0 being not yet, but 10 being get ready. It's coming. Okay. Now, it's a slow process, and as you can tell, you can tell I, I'm nervous because I'm afraid to say the wrong thing because there's a lot of women in here. So I'm going to ask forgiveness. We'll turn off the live stream. <laughs> but in this moment where I'm now seeing, genuinely, I'm seeing my wife go through pain, which suddenly I didn't realize is an uncomfortable moment for me, and because I think I need to be commanding, I suddenly take on an aura of I need to, take on, I, I need to be in charge now. I'm in charge. So I get told by the, our doctor, who is an amazing, godly-fearing man called Dr. Peter Vienne. For those of you who already don't know, he was also an elder in the church that we were leading. So we had our friends who were helping with the delivery. He tells me and Ruth, you're doing great. Just watch the machine, the cardiotocography machine, and... Ruth, Jonathan, when it gets to 10, we're good to go. So I was like, in panic, I was like, I am going to focus all my attention on the screen. And I watched every single movement. And of course, you know, as the contractions are coming and it, you know, it goes up to three, I'm like, oh, Ruth, it's only three. No, I didn't say that. I did not say that. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I didn't. I can see my wife's eyes burning red right now at the back of the room. But I was focusing on this machine, okay? And of course, as it was getting closer and closer, 
suddenly with, you want to say, my insecurity and anxiousness of wanting this baby Evelyn to come, in the waiting room, waiting for, in the processing, I'm like, this has to happen now. And of course, you know, I grew up watching Casualty, so I knew what was going on. As the machine, I'm talking like, as the contractions got closer and closer, and as the graph touched, and I'm talking like, not even touched, but just slightly, slightly touched the number 10, suddenly I say out loud to the nurse, she's ready. She's ready, let's go. And I notice that as soon as I say that, there is no doctor in the room. There's no doctor in the room. And I'm like, they obviously don't know. They don't know, but Ruth's ready, and I need to go tell them. And I was look, literally looking around, being like, command, I need to take charge here. Because obviously, she's at 10 now, so the baby's going to be here in 20 seconds. So we need to go. I then realized that obviously, Dr. Vienne, Pete is not here, so I'm like, don't worry, Ruth, I'll go find him. So I walk out of the room, and I start walking down the halls of this, um, the corridor of this hospital, sort of checking rooms and can't find Pete. And, and I'm starting to get not just like nervous, but I'm just like going, like, who's in charge here? Kind of vibe, okay? This is not pretty. And I get to the end, sort of like, sort of this end of the corridor, and there's this kind of like rest area for the staff. And it was, it, it's a door you can't enter in, but it actually just remember happened to slightly be open. And I saw Pete Vien's foot sticking out the side of like a cubicle, and he was sat on his chair on his phone. And I'm like, instantly, I'm like, am I doing your job for you? I'm sorry, I know. And when the door, when I then got close to Pete, I just saw him on his phone, kind of just like looking at his phone. And in my head, I'm like, Pete, this is not the time for fantasy football. Um, we are about to have a baby, and you seem to be doing absolutely nothing. So I'm here to remind you, as the guy that knows what he's doing, <laughs> you need to get into the room. And I tell you what, Pete Vienne. He is just such a godly man. He gave me the look, basically the look of any father would give to his, his, any of his kids that says, you don't know what you're talking about, but I love you so much. <laughs> and he just smiled at me and started laughing. And it was just this like awkward silence, like I'm not laughing, I'm not smiling. <laughs> and do you know what he does? He really slowly turns the phone to me, and what he had on his phone was the cardiotocography machine of Ruth on his phone as an app, and he was sat there watching it the whole time. So, put it this way, I walked back pretty humbled, walking away with a very correct view of myself, and then waited, Pete came, Evie was born, amazing day. But there was something in that story, and it still speaks to me today, of actually how my behavior and actually how I acted in that moment of waiting spoke more about me and where I put my trust than anything.
Because can you see in that story actually how much assurance I put on myself thinking that I could do it? The sh- thinking that I, 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 I've watched Casualty, I know what's going on here. Or even how much weight I put on the machine to be the reason why we need to make things happen, things need to be happening quicker. And then even at the end of the emphasis of cornering Pete to say, Pete, you don't know what you're doing. And then being completely humbled as he showed me what he was doing. And I walked away truly believing that God had everything taken care of and covered. And really the, the, the picture and the smile and the story of Pete looking at me, laughing, chuckling, saying, you don't know what you're doing, but I love you so much. I want to propose that is one of the goals of where we are to be as followers of Christ when we are in a waiting room, when we're being processed, when we're waiting for God to do something. It's because we have an opportunity to lean on, trust, put everything aside to what we think we can do in our own strength, and truly see that God is in control. When, when we said today that there is hope in the room, I, that is Jesus. He is our hope. There is no situation. There is no word spoken against you. There is nothing that in this world that can separate you, not only just from the love of the Father, but from the words that God has spoken over your life, church. Nothing. I believe that this story is just to be an encouragement for those who, who would say, Jonathan, I've been in the waiting room slash upper room for years, waiting for God to fulfill that promise, waiting for God to complete the word that he's spoken over my life, whether it be provision, healing, direction, that the Lord is watching over you. It says in Psalms, he does not sleep nor slumber. His eyes are fixed upon you. And that there is an anticipation that I believe that's just coming on the church right now, where there is just a hunger for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Do we want, just in our lives, wherever we are at, do we want another outpouring of his Holy Spirit right now? Can we just stand? I want us just to pray just for a moment. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I just want us to picture the heavenly smile of the Father smiling on us as we say we give you control. I I actually believe that there are people in this room that have actually said in this process, in this waiting time, whether it be in your mind or out of your mouth, I think I can do better here. I think I can speed things up. You know, I I just want you to remember, Jesus was tempted three times in, in in, in the wilderness by Satan, and all of those three temptations that the devil gave were actually things that were over Jesus' life. He fulfilled them. 
They were all good things. They were all promises. But Satan wanted him to do them right now. Satan was saying, I can make them happen for you quicker. I can make them happen now. You just need to follow me. And, and for us as believers, we have to recognize that I think there are cardiotocography machines that are actually there to distract us for us to put our faith and our trust in systems that are trying to take our eyes off Jesus right now. And when you are in the waiting room, it is the greatest setup for the upper room experience. Why don't you just put your hands out? We've been doing this in worship. I just want you just to say, come Holy Spirit. Yeah, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would fall on this house, those watching online, and that you would fill afresh like water being poured on a desert, that there are seeds underground that are waiting to be just washed with your spirit right now in the name of Jesus. I just release you, Holy Spirit, to fall how you want to fall. And I speak courage over every heart here that is weary and tired of the waiting room. Father, would you stir up hope and anticipation of what you're doing? Lord, when we sing that song, even though when we don't see it, you're moving, I just pray that to be a reality over everyone's life right now. God is doing a good work in your life. He is not finished, and that he is perfecting not only you, but this house to become everything that it's called to be in the name of Jesus. Well, you just put your hand to the person to the left or right of you, and I just want you just to pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit to fall on their life. You just say, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we love what you're doing in your church. We love that you're building it, you're preparing it. I just saw a picture as we were just going to end on a song, and I've, 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 I've chosen the song specifically just around the verse of even when we don't see it, you're moving. And I just saw a picture of there are people in this room that have been holding on to their lives so tightly uh, in just seasons of frustration, you've been maybe battered, you've been bruised, and you know, whenever the message of hope or expectation is given, this reminder of things that have happened to you come to the surface. And I just saw that there is a grace over this morning of hope to come again. And for, for us, even physically, it was almost just giving your life into the palm of the hands of the Father again. Like the picture of my friend Dr. VM with the phone in his hand watching the... Uh, the contractions, it was that he knew exactly what was going on. He just wasn't in the room. Father, give us a greater level of faith and trust to give you our lives in this season. And that we believe that even though we might not be able to see it, the waiting room becomes the upper room. 
in the name of Jesus, amen.